You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, otherwise I could get a little bit overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Happy Monday. Coming up on the show today, we have Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. If you've had one of those weekends where the kids weren't sleeping or they were having tantrums all through the weekend, stay tuned. You'll get your chance to ask for Chris's advice. Welcome to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. So for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, Chris joins us every Monday, both on air and on Facebook Live. And it's your opportunity to either call in on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO and ask Chris a question, or as many people like to do, watching us on Facebook Live, you can pop the question underneath the video and we will answer them. We'll get to as many as we can anyway. Chris, of course, has been a Mothercraft nurse for 30 years, so she's got some really practical advice on how to help you through those challenges that I mentioned before, like not sleeping or tantrums, those sorts of things that we deal with pretty much every day. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's start with Joe from Melbourne. This is quite a long um, message, so yep. bear with me. We transitioned our nearly two-and-a-half-year-old from his cot to a toddler bed two weeks ago after he spent a weekend away in a bed. We thought we could build on the progress made, but it has been a huge slog in our home environment, getting up during the night and asking to be put back to bed, cat and mouse during the day at nap time, waking up as early as 4.30 a.m. ready to start the day, only sporadically staying in his room until the sun on his grow clock comes up at 6.30, all resulting in overtiredness and subsequently pretty ordinary behaviour. We're trying to be consistent with putting him back to bed, minimising attention, but it's taking a toll to the point we're wondering whether to reinstate the cot. Any tips? Greatly appreciated. Put him back in the cot. There you go. <laughs> that was an easy one, wasn't it? He's he's basically saying he's not coping. So he could probably cope for a weekend, but when he when he had to do it more and more, he struggled with how he's going to do that. So what I would do, if it's not too difficult, I put him back in the cot for a month and then I would try again. So I wouldn't give up on him, but some children need the security of the bars to give him that sense of how they go back to sleep again. So give him one more month and have a go again. So he's in the right time age to do it, but for some reason it's just not working for him. So instead of terrorising the whole family and everyone getting overtired, I think getting more rested and then in a month's time start by talking to him and saying, okay, we're going in our big boy's cot now, we're going to put the cot away. I mean, big boy's bed now and we're going to put the cot away and um, just give him a few more boundaries around the behaviour. So don't get off your bed. If you need me, call out and we'll come to you so that he doesn't think he can just get off the bed and wander around the house. If you don't want him wandering around the house, put a little gate on his door so that at least he's in his room, which is usually a safe environment for him. 
And um, when you go to the door, you just say, if you can hop back in your bed, then mummy can come and sit on the end of your bed. So it sounds to me like he's just not ready for it. Here's a scary thought. My nephew, who is now four, I babysat on the weekend. And he's hilarious. They, yeah. like, honestly, I was like, they're trying to put one over me because I'm the auntie. But he said to me when I was chatting to him and he was in bed, he goes, oh, they've just moved recently to a yeah. smaller place. And he said, oh, it's not as good as back the other place. We used to go on night missions. So oh. he and his sister would creep out because it was two stories. And I was like, yeah, you couldn't do that here, could you? And they still tried. They still tried it out on me. Anyway, oh. he's four and doing it, Joe. That's so what the game's for. <laughs> That's right. Let's lock them in. Um, okay, well, Joe, hopefully that helps. Yeah. And just to let you know, Chris, um, her last day on the show live to answer your questions is actually uh, today. Hey. So if you have any questions... If we don't get to them, um, I'm going to try and grab Chris after this and we'll play, we'll answer them for next week, but we can't do any more live shows yeah. after that. Um, so get in now while you can. Good luck, Joe. Uh, this is from Kim. She says, I have a defiant three-year-old who takes off their seatbelt, refuses to get out of the pool, throws things at people <laughs> like his little brother. <laughs> Do you have some basic tips on dealing with the nose and meltdowns? Limit setting takes place prior to activities. Time checks given for end of activities. Oh, Joy, that's good. You're so that. you've, got, you've got the basics in place. Uh, try and eliminate as many as you can inadvertently. So takes the seat belts off. There's two really good ones for that. Uh, there's a strap called the Houdini strap that you attach to the top end of the, the seat belts here. So he can't wiggle his arms out. So putting the Houdini strap on. Um, lots of people scare children by saying, if you take your arms out, then um, we'll take you to the police station. But that's very <laughs> scary. So don't do that. I The other one I use, if they take their arms out, I just stop the car. I just pull over where safe and I stop the car until they put their seatbelts back in, uh, back on themselves. Because if mm. you can get out of it, you can get into it. So that you've got your boundary setting there. Getting out of the pool, you've obviously given him the timing for getting out of the pool, but he's now three. So I think he can go a little bit further. So if he can't, doesn't get out of the, fo- the pool and you have to drag him bodily out of the pool, then you could probably set a consequence that actually happens a little bit further on. So you didn't get out of the pool. So because you weren't listening, so we're disciplining the listening not the getting out of the pool. Um, You know, there's no stories tonight. So you'll get a kiss and a cuddle, but there are no stories. And the stories is a really good one because that's one-on-one time. So it's a very effective way. At the time, he'll he'll start going, I don't care, but he'll care at 7.30 when he doesn't get his stories. Can I ask a question? Yeah. So do you say to him while he's in the pool going, I'm not getting out, do you say, if you don't get out? There'll be no story times no. at bedtime. Or do you so wait? I get him out somehow or I just walk, not walk away, obviously, because he's in the pool. But once you get him out and you've dried him off, then I tell him because they're not listening when you when you <laughs> yell the discipline at them because they won't get out of the pool. They're not listening. Okay. So once you get him out of the pool, even if that takes 25 minutes to get out of the pool, then I say to him, okay, because you weren't listening, so you're disciplining the listening, there is no stories today. Or another good one for a three-year-old is there is no iPads today. Now, mm. that's a controversial one because that gives you a break. So, yeah, that's But hard, you've got it? to give him something that matters, you know, something that he has to remember. And when you put him to bed that night, you say, you know, we're only doing this because you weren't listening today about getting out of the pool. And the third thing is to get him to be reflective. Now, this is a little bit harder, but if you give him patience. So why did mummy have to... 
let me ha- put it another way. Why did we have to discipline you today? What did you do? So you want them to be reflective. To understand what, what they've yeah, done. So, what, so you know how there's that period between two and three, they'll hit their brother and then they'll say, sorry, as if sorry fixes it. Now you'd say, so what are you sorry for? So let them be reflective of their behaviour. So that that did it. She did mention um, uh, he does throw things. Yeah, at his brother. (laughs) So if he throws things at his brother and it hits him, then, you know, you would time him out or whatever your discipline is for it. And then before you finish the time out, you'd say, why did mummy time you out? And and he needs to say to you because I hit my brother. And so for a three year old, is that an effective kind yeah, of? Yeah, it's very. It's the start of empathy and sympathy. So at the at a three year old level, you might just get him to recognise what he did. But at a three and a half to four year old level, I'd say, um, so how did that make Jack feel when you hit him with the block? Okay, so just a little. I was about a to ask a little bit that. more, a little, little bit, bit older, more, to... yeah, and a little bit older. So at the moment, we just want him to be reflective, but then from reflective becomes empathy and sympathy. Okay, so hopefully that helps you, Kim. Actually, I should just mention the other two were um, dealing with nose and, and meltdowns. Down. So I guess he's saying no to everything. Yeah, so I'm assuming he's saying no. So the other thing I'd look look at around all of these behaviours because they're all really common, and you might be just seeing lots of them all in one week or two weeks is is there something else going on for him so does he go to daycare five days a week and he's there from you know eight to four thirty and this is his way of saying actually I'm not getting enough time and attention so we would assume he's going to say no to you because he's got to work out where he fits in the society and how you use those words um, and we would assume he has meltdowns but I would say a three-year-old only has two to three meltdowns in a week, and mainly because they're tired. <laughs> I was going to say my mainly. son has more, but also then there is always something that's Yeah, kind of... there's always something leading into it. So when you get lots of behaviour, regardless of the behaviour, I think sometimes you have to stand back and go, well, what's going on for them this week that suddenly it seems much more out of control? And can I also ask, I know that we talk about a lot with school-age kids yeah. that fourth term can yeah, be really tired. Is that the same for children of yeah. this age group? Yeah, Even if I they're think... only going to daycare like two or three days a week? Or... Probably not if they're only going two, two to three, but if they're going four days a week, I reckon they're tired at the tired end at of the, the year. Mm-hmm. And, and you're trying to get things done. So I think sometimes we have to stand back as the adult and go, hang on, what are we doing here? And their world is busy, but actually they need quiet days, as you would know. You need some home days, some pyjama days, and they work. They so work. do we, right? Yeah, <laughs> we do. pyjama days. Pyjama days work. Oh, I like you know? the idea so, of that. Yeah, sometimes when we take the pressure off them, they actually perform much better. Okay. You're listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. If you'd like to call us, the number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO or if you're listening or watching via Facebook Live, pop your questions below. Our next question comes from Marie. Toilet training tips for boy who is a bit defiant. He's 26 months and uses a toilet some days but not others. He's easily able to verbalise when he doesn't want to use the toilet and asks for a nappy. Most days he will use the toilet if we take him in, but very rarely will he say when he needs to go. Yeah, and that's because he's just a bit young. 
So this one's a really easy one. What you're doing is toilet timing him. So you take him, you know, before you go out, before lunch, before he goes to bed, and he'll do a wee. Um, but he's not verbalising that he wants to do it because he's just a bit young. So tw- he's two and two months. And I would think with boys, their verbal skills and to put that cognitive development between I need to stop what I'm doing and go to the toilet is probably more about two and a half to three. So I think what's happening is he's responding to the toilet timing, which is really good, but he's just a little bit immature to be able to actually take on toilet training where he initiates and he takes responsibility for it. So over the next few months, you might find that working. So I would take the pressure off him. I would just toilet time him without the expectation that he won't have accidents because I think he will have Mm. accidents Mm. and then maybe try again in February when he's a bit older and he can put that whole thing together for you. Do you know it's incredible I remember my sister saying something similar with my boy and she would. I remember saying something about what he was doing, and she said, "Yeah, but you know what? Chev, six months can make such, such a, big a difference. difference, and you forget." That. And I think when the world outside them is saying you should toilet train, or you should, or you should, a parent thinks they have to rush through these things. But actually, the skill of parenting is sometimes that you need to look at that child and say, "Actually, you're just not ready for that." Yeah, it sounds and like he's that's doing okay. Well, right? Yeah, he's toilet timing. Yeah, yeah. toilet timing. He seems yeah. to be doing really good on that yeah. front. Yeah. Well, good luck with that, Marie, and hopefully we'll cut. February, we'll be back on air so you yep. can ask well, the question toilet again. Toilet in February. <laughs> That's right. Um, we have a question from Robin. Getting my 14-month to sleep through the night is a challenge. He occasionally does, like twice in a fortnight. Otherwise, he'll, he wakes anywhere between 12 and 2 and has difficulty going back to sleep. I'm gem- generally up with him between one and a half to two and a half hours. That's Ooh. tough. He goes to sleep on his own perfectly for naps and at the beginning of the night, but when he wakes up at when he wakes at night, he has a lot of difficulty getting back, back to, to sleep, sleep and staying asleep. I'll give him a quick cuddle and then put him back in his cot and rub his back to soothe him and then leave the room. He will generally start crying 10 minutes later. This cycle is repeated three or four times before he'll settle for the night again. He has two lots of one and a half hour naps during the day and goes down at about 7.30 at night for the night and is waking about 5.30. I so want continuous sleep. No wonder, Robin. I completely I think you're that. doing all the right things, Robin. But the one thing I can see here that you might want to try over the next few weeks is just reducing him to one sleep in the day and it'll probably fix what's happening at night. Oh, great. So uh, what I would do with this case in a very short time frame is start to reduce his morning sleep down until you've got it down to about 20 minutes. So just each couple of days just reduce it by 15 minutes 15 minutes so don't go from one and a half to 20 minutes because he'll have a conniption fit then once you've got it into a tiny little sleep and a longer afternoon sleep of about two hours then you want to do the same thing you want to that 20 minute sleep you just want to reduce that and bring the afternoon sleep forward to about 11 30 um, in the morning and the first week you do that just don't put him in a car or a pram between 9 and 11.30 because he'll fall asleep. And then put him to bed between 6.30 and 7. And I think that will fix your nights because he's responding the right way. It's just that he can't go back to sleep. So you go in, you give him a cuddle, pop him down and rub his back and you can get out for 10 minutes. But he's having trouble going back into the deep sleep. So I would try reducing the sleep bringing it to one sleep that might take you two or three weeks and I have a feeling that's what will fix your nights 
Good luck with that, Robin. That sounds very straightforward. Good luck. Good luck. Our next question is from Karen. She has. Um, she says she has a 15-month-old that still has a bottle after each meal. When do I drop these and how do I do it? He loves his milk and each bottle has about 180 mils in each. He eats well, but I'm not sure what to do with the milk from now on. Help would be much appreciated. He's doing really well. So 15 months, I'd probably think of putting him on two bottles, one in the morning and one at night. So easiest one to drop is the one after lunch. So with that one, um, you could just reduce it to a little bit of milk in a cup, you know, and read him a story before he goes to bed. And then uh, usually around 16, 17 months, I drop the morning one. And then between 18 and 20 months, I drop the last bottle. So you can just wean them off, Karen, just slowly every couple of months and, and reduce it down to the point of where you replace each bottle with a little bit of milk in a cup and then it should be fine. So just take it slowly and reduce them down. And so once they start drinking milk in a cup, that they generally drink less, is that yeah, right? Yeah, and they need less. So okay. so they drink more in water. So we're probably, I don't know, about 50 mils or 60 mils in a cup. Okay. Um, and then if you do it slowly, they just know what you're going to do. So they just move through those stages really easily. You're listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. I will say that if there's anything that you've heard today and you've kind of not been able to write it down or anything like that, we do post these um, interviews online at kindling.com.au. Plus, you can podcast us. So over the summer break, you can go back and listen. You might come across something that will help you that has helped someone before. And you just get Kindling Conversation wherever you download your podcasts. Our next question comes from Lauren. Do you have any tips for moving a toddler who is a creature of habit? We move house Friday week. My 15-month-old hasn't had many changes in her little life apart from the usual, introducing solids, adjusting nap time routine, etc., and has always handled them okay after a short adjustment period. However, she does like her bed, her room, her space, and her routine. We live away from family currently, so we don't really have events to go to or a reason for her not to be in a routine. Oh, Lauren, I think you've got this lovely little girl and her little rhythm and all you have to do is completely transfer that to the new house. So the first thing I would do on the first day is put her cot in the new room, so the room itself doesn't matter, but in the same position. So if she's used to seeing two pictures on the wall, put the two pictures up, put her cot back in place, put her change table back in place and the chair to the best of your ability. And then I think you'll be amazed at how well she adjusts from one to the other. So as long as that feels familiar to her, she'll be okay. So getting her room set up quickly is probably the key to this. And then also... She moves on much faster than we give her credit for. So as long as she's happily playing, then she has made that move. She doesn't, she doesn't actually quite remember what she did a week ago. So she just remembers the rhythm in which she does things. So as long as you keep your consistency in the rhythm, I'm sure she will adjust really easily. Brilliant. Okay, next question is from Prue. My 13 and a half month old girl was finding her afternoon sleep and pushing back her morning sleep and only sleeping 30 minutes max. Previously, she was sleeping an hour. So we moved her nap to 11.30 after lunch at 11. She will sleep anywhere from 30 minutes to one hour. Slept one and a half hours once to be. <laughs> we have been doing this for a week and a half now. She seems happier on this schedule, but it doesn't seem to be enough sleep according to the experts. She self-settles. Bedtime is 6 to 
6.30 now, previously 7. She sleeps from 5.40 till 6 a.m. I'm just worried I've changed her too early or will it just take time to adjust? It does sound like a child who needed to be adjusted, but she's a bit young for it. So what I would do is exactly what you have done. I think in time, it will fall back into place where she has two hours sleep for you. Um, So I think you've adjusted everything across the day. So, you know, even though she's sleeping a little less in the day, you're not keeping her up till seven. You're actually adjusting and putting her to bed between six and 6.30. I think the difficulty with putting her to bed at six is where you'll get the 5.40 wake-ups because that's 11 and a half hours and that's a good average of sleep. So you, we w- would hope that she would be able to push out to that 6.30 evening sleep to try and get you closer to the six o'clock wake up in the morning. I think with time, it will sort itself out. And I also think a little bit of of resettling um, under the hour and a half would also help. Okay, right. so just because she wakes up doesn't mean she gets up because that's a habitual pattern. So if she only has 30 minutes, give yourself a little time frame and try and resettle her and that might just help her connect the sleep cycles together. All right. You're listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. And uh, this is the last live show we have with Chris. So if we don't get to your questions, we will try and answer them. It just will be played next week. So um, you'll have to head to our website, kindling.com.au, to play it, or you can listen live via digital radio, our app, or you can stream it online. We have a question from Sabrina. She says, my 16-month-old is a very fussy eater. She's very sensory aware, mm. so if she feels a different texture food, such as banana, mashed potato, steamed veggies, she refuses to touch, let alone eat it. Yes. So some children do have this sensory way of eating and that can be um, a little bit difficult and sometimes you may even need a little bit of help with this. So the good thing is you're aware of it. The second thing I would say is don't give her any snacks. So is it that she's touching it and choosing or sensory uh, or she has one of these sensory issues? So sensory issues where they touch it and then they pick their hands up straight away. So they haven't touched it and moved it like this and then dropped it. So they touch it and they pull their hands up. I would make sure that for a couple of days you just gave her breakfast, lunch and dinner, even if you move the times a little bit earlier and see if she eats better and is more open to a variety of foods. And then um, if that doesn't work, I'd take a food diary down and see what she is and isn't eating because 16 months generally they are starting to move into choosing and understanding what they want to eat and don't want to eat. And we'd have to take a long history to put the whole picture together. So try the three meals and see if it increases. And if not, and she really reduces her intake, you may need to see someone about it. Okay. Good luck with that, Sabrina. This question comes from Yasmin. Thank you for all your help this year. My nine and a half half month old son is teething and most days refuses all foods. Should I replace a missed meal with a bottle of milk? I don't want to encourage him in not eating, but don't want him to go hungry. Uh, No, I wouldn't replace a missed meal with a bottle. So um, children don't tend to teeth for days and days. So if if this has just started, it should only be a day or two. You can give him different types of foods, um, but just, just make sure it's not him being fussy about what you're feeding him as opposed to teething. But if he's teething and you give him something to relieve the pain before a meal, he should take 
take the meal. Um, but if you keep replacing it with milk, he'll just start rejecting food and increase his milk intake. So I'd just give him his three meals for the day and the three bottles or the three milk feeds that you give him for the day and maybe change the texture of the food so it's easier for him while he's teething. But teething only takes a couple of days. It's not going to go on for weeks and weeks. Otherwise, he'd have a whole mouth of teeth. Okay. Good <laughs> luck with that one, Yasmin. Uh, this comes from Caritha. My son is learning new in uh, like it's bad behaviour. <laughs> from other kids in childcare. How yeah. can he avoid that? He's three years old. Well, that's your job as a parent to navigate him through what you think is socially um, acceptable and what you think is a family value. So the good thing is he's bringing it home to you and he needs to bring that home to you and you need to show him, well, that's acceptable for our family or that's not acceptable for our family. So see this as more part of developing him as who he is and it can be a struggle and it can be frustrating when they learn a word and then they repeat the word over and over and over Mm -hmm. again Um, or they learn whatever hitting kicking because they see lots and lots of different behaviors and and if you just slowly sit there with him and start to think is this a social behavior that would be acceptable for us or is this a family value that would be accepted for us if not you need to help change that around so he gets a clear message from his parents. Is that just repetition? Like yeah, just it saying is. to them we don't do that yeah, in this family. Yeah. And and they also sometimes they as you know, they'd pick a word and they just get great delight in the reaction. So yes. sometimes you just have to let it go. But if it's something like hick, hitting, kicking, biting, um the attitude. So lots of attitude comes in and yes. he's trying to navigate, well, how do you use that attitude? Then this is that time frame where you can help develop those social behaviours to what you would like them to be. It can be really shocking though, can't it? Oh, like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Even now my daughter's at school and she's she's still only five, yeah. but she'll come out with these phrases and I'm like, my goodness, they talk about a three-nager. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you're five going on I 16. Think, I think crazy. you have three years with them that are for you. And then after that, the world starts imploding on your children and you've got to navigate them through that. Mm, Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Good luck. Uh, This one comes from Tracy, and this might be the last one we have today. If we haven't got to your question, please do tune in next week, either um, on air via digital radio or you can listen through our app, which is free, or you can download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This one is from Tracy. How do I stop my child from hitting his two sisters? They're five years and six months and me he knows what's right and wrong but timing out in and timing out timing in and removing from location he refuses to stay in timeout, and there is screaming and kicking the entire time any time any ideas would be greatly appreciated um tracy if you could try and pop in his age, age. that would be helpful if you're you've written this on facebook let's, let's assume he's around three because that's when they start hitting and kicking and that sort of seems right. So the first thing, um, just generally with hitting and kicking, one thing is to, over a couple of days, stay close to him. Don't hover over the top of him so he can't move, but stay close to him. Whenever he even vaguely looks like he could hit somebody, then try and distract him. So this is this is not the discipline part of it. This is more like he's getting too close to his six-month-old sister. So if he's getting too close to him and we know he's a hitter, then maybe what we could say is, can you come over here and help mummy unstack the dishwasher, for instance? Try and distract him out of the behaviour of which he then gets positive reinforcement because he gets time with you. But once he has hit, you do have to do the timeout. I think that's the only 
acceptable way of doing it. And you're doing the right timeout. So you're doing the timeout. The important thing, he's almost three. So the important thing here is that once you've timed him out, whether it's successful or not, with a three-year-old, later that night when you're laying with him to read a story, you could before you start the story, you could go over the day and say, you know, it really disappoints mummy and daddy if you hit, um, you know, your sister. It just makes us, you know, a little bit sad. And let him reflect on that. And really what you're doing is using the language because a three-year-old will be looking at the stars on the ceiling. And but you're laying down the language for him. So talk about it outside the event also helps as well, where he's not in trouble. You're just, you're just mentioning that. Okay. All right, Tracy. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. And thank you, everyone, for your questions today, whether that you sent them through text or Facebook Live. Um, Chris will be back next year we're going to say that now but um, we will have another show we're going to have a couple of shows next week we're going to answer the questions that we didn't get to today so please make sure you subscribe to our podcast if you'd like to hear those answers or you can listen for free on our app or you can go online to kindling.com.au to listen so we're going to answer the questions we didn't get to today for next week and um, Chris thank you so much for your time this year pleasure Kindling Conversation How much do your kids know about money? We ask kids what they would do with $200. Well, you would you give them to someone else if they if you're rich, um you can give your money away to other people and you can share it so you get to have less less yes and yes. Proudly brought to you by Westpac Bump Savings Account. You're listening to Kindly Conversation. I'm so going to take advice from that little girl. I didn't understand a word she said, but she seems to know what's going on with money. But that's all from us today. Um, We'll be back tomorrow at midday. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Have a lovely afternoon. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website, Just head to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.